This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 631 with Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 631. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson are comedians, mothers, and the hosts of the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. What Fresh Hell? regularly ranks at the top of the parenting and kids and family charts on Apple Podcast and has over 5 million lifetime downloads. I am chasing them down to hit my 5 million. In each episode, Margaret and Amy discuss a parenting topic from their usually completely opposite perspectives. I'm going to tell you about them a little bit individually, starting with Amy. So Amy Wilson is the author of When Did I Get Like This? The Screamer, The Worrier, The Dinosaur Chicken Nugget Buyer, and Other Mothers I Swore I'd Never Be, and of Motherload, a one-woman show which she toured to 16 cities after its hit off-Broadway run. She also appeared as a series regular in two sitcoms, Daddio and Norm. She and her husband live in New York City with their three kids. Margaret Abels is a comedian and writer whose work has appeared on MTV, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, and PBS. Margaret created television shows for Class Geek, Supo, the creators of Rugrats, and was the head of video production for Nickelodeon's mom-centric channel, Nick Mom. Margaret also teaches improv and public speaking at correctional facilities for the nonprofit Rehabilitation Through the Arts. She and her husband live in Westchester, New York, with their three kids. I met Amy and Margaret via our mutual podcast editing team. Shout outs to Christy and Allison. 
Christy had a sense that we might all hit it off. And of course, she was spot on. So I've gotten to get to know Margaret and Amy a little bit over the last few months. And it's been so much fun. We are definitely like minded in a lot of ways. But what I most appreciate about them is that and about all of us, I think, is that none of us take ourselves too seriously, which creates for a lot of fun and like good banter and just good, juicy conversation. So when you listen to this conversation and decide that you love it, because you will, you're going to also want to go make sure that you subscribe or follow and then rate and review What Fresh Hell wherever you listen to podcasts. And we did a podcast interview on their show that's going live the same week as this episode. So you can listen to us all, all week long. You're welcome. Listen in to hear Margaret and Amy share how they came together to create What Fresh Hell and how each of them bring their unique strengths to create support for parents, how parenting changes and evolves over the years, why we don't need to fear or resist the constant growth that parenting provides, why new ventures and uncharted territory feel so big and daunting as we approach them in parenting, but then so much smaller, even as we're working through them and definitely in hindsight, how parenting problems change over the years i.e. little kids equal lots of problems that are easier to solve, and sneak peek, big kids equal fewer problems and they're harder to solve. They also dig into the difference between easy parenting and satisfying parenting, which I thought was a super interesting part of this conversation. And lastly, we talk about what satisfying parenting looks like and how it can look so different than what you expected. So I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. I think you're going to have a lot of fun, probably have a few good laughs. So with all that said, let's go ahead and welcome Amy and Margaret to the Shameless Mom Academy. Margaret and Amy, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I feel you. like this has been kind of a long time coming. I'm so glad that we're, I was going to say that we're all in the same room, that we're all in the same Zoom screen. <laughs> we're all in the same Zoom room. Right, right. Zoom room. It's all the Isn't same. Isn't it the same thing? We've, yeah, it's, it's all the same. Oh, sadly, I know. Like, sadly, they are, are the same in a lot of ways. Not the same in terms of like the great feeling at the end of the experience, <laughs> but... The but weird yes. like leave meeting, right? Like yeah, where you're like, wait, like, <laughs> should we hug? <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here though because we actually have the same producer. So first, we just need to do a shout out to Team Christy and Allison, Team Podcast. Yes. They take such amazing care of us, and they introduced they us. And then after they introduced us, we were all like, why didn't we all know each other before? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. So I always ask my guests what you're up to kind of beyond your bio in your personal and professional life and what you're most excited about right now. So I would love to have you each share that little bit of info on yourself. Amy, why don't you start us off? I am just kicking off working on a book, actually. <gasps> A book. Yes. A memoir and essays. And it's about women who have too much to do, of which <laughs> I am one. And I've been one. Not relatable at all. entire life. Yeah, exactly. This book is for every woman with too much to do. That's my goal. And it's going to be sort of funny with a point. That's that's the my North Star for everything that I do and relatable, but not prescriptive. And I'm really okay. excited to get started. And of course, daunted with how you fit it in around everything else you have to do. But it's what I'm curious about my own life. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm not writing about the history of popsicles. It's something I, I'm truly curious about. So I look yeah. forward to finding out. I love that. I keep waiting. I'm putting this in air quotes, waiting until I have time to write a book. And I'm learning from everyone around me who's currently writing books that that's like waiting to have time to work out. Like the time never just appears. Or waiting yeah. for the right time to have children. I'm always exactly. like, just go for it. This doesn't ever get any better. That's right. right. Exactly. That's right. You just make the time. Exactly. Margaret, what about you? 
I am working on a podcast with Amy while she writes a book. So I guess I'll be doing a lot of podcast work. <laughs> you do a lot of teaching outside of, uh, yeah, outside I, I'm, of our a, podcast. I'm a teacher outside of uh, podcasting and, you know, managing that during the pandemic has been a constant roller coaster. What's open, what's closed. And mm -hmm. so we're just getting back into programming. And what do you uh, teach? I teach actually in an arts in prison program. So I teach theater within the New York state prison system. Incredible. It's, um, it's so it is incredible. Job. I will toot Margaret Torn and say that the work that this program does is incredible. And I've gotten, I've been greatly privileged to see some of it in person myself. And it's remarkable. So cool. I have to say when I read, cause I read that about you and your bio, Margaret, and I was like, I thought I knew her. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that about you. And it's what an incredibly a strange side role, like also in the prisons. So it's it is uh, rehabilitation through the arts. It's an amazing program that I'm really honored to be part of. And has the program been able to be functional or operational during COVID? It's ridden the wave of shutdowns. So we've okay. been in the early phases of the pandemic, we were shut down for probably close to a year. We were back okay. in programming and then we had to shut down for about uh, seven weeks during the Omicron surge. Mm. And so, uh, you know, like everything else during this pandemic, you just have to kind of stay ready and wait for yep. word. And so we just in fact, last night was my first night in in about seven weeks. So it's good to be back. Oh, my gosh, I bet. Okay. Oh, so we're, such good stuff. I'm already like all inspired and lit up. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to know about your show. So your podcast is what fresh hell. And it's funny when our producer, Christy reached out to say, I want to introduce you to the ladies from what fresh hell. I was like, I want to know like whoever these people are, this, the name, I know we're going to be friends. So <laughs> can you talk about how the two of you came together to birth what fresh hell and what was the inspiration behind the show? I mean, the inspiration, I had been working uh, at a kind of creative job in a corporate world and doing video uh, development. And at some point, Amy and my sister were in a comedy group in college. And so I knew her as a teenager. And then as our paths, we were both kind of in entertainment in Hollywood for a while. I would see her on TV. We would see each other at events. I don't know. We were always kind of intersecting, but I didn't know her well. I would always think, oh, that's Amy who went to school with my sister. And then when she, we had blogs at the same time, which has always intersected over the years. And then at a certain point when podcasting started, I thought that is a good extension. I had young kids. I was home kind of figuring out what was next. And I kind of cold called Amy and I said, hey, do you want to have a drink? I have a little idea I'm kicking around. And I said, how about a podcast? What fresh hell is an expression? It's uh, not original to my mom, but she used to say it. It's a Dorothy Parker expression, but she used to say it all the time. Like, what fresh hell is this? Meaning like every time she had four <laughs> kids. And every time she opened the door, it was like, is it going to be paint on the ceilings? Is it going to be two mm -hmm. kids wrestling? And so I said, I have this idea for us to do a podcast called What Fresh Hell, where we just talk about everything that's funny and hard and challenging. And then Amy, who is much more research oriented, I was like, ah, we'll just talk. And she kind of dove in on the side of let's not just talk though. Let's actually figure some stuff out and offer solutions. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of 
brought our two parenting sensibilities, myself much more like, ah, I'm sure it'll work out. Let's just fly by the seat of our pants. Ah, <laughs> the kid's missing for half an hour. He's bound to turn up somewhere. And Amy brought a different perspective, which is much more like I have read 17 books and I have broken them down. And here is some things oh we can actually try. <laughs> and so the podcast kind of came together really organically, like two moms with different parenting styles coming together. And I have to say, it's been a joy. We've learned so much from each other and it really has uh, made my parenting better. And we hope made our audience get a little relief and also learn something, maybe some tactics to make parenting a little bit easier for themselves as well. Absolutely. Do you want to add to that, Amy? No, I mean, I guess I would say that it was a sort of, you know, Oprah moment that I was having, like ask the universe for what you want. You know, I was having a moment (laughs) of that. I'd come out of a couple of collaborations working with nice people, but kind of like helping them do what they wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like I was like the right hand man helping somebody make short videos that were really that person's dream or helping somebody try to self-publish a book that was really that person's vision and realize like I want to work on what I want to work on. I worked on a novel by myself, didn't love working by myself either. I wanted the accountability and the partner. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to work with the partner, but it's going to be something I want to do that we're creating from the beginning. I'm not coming aboard to help. And I'd like it to be a woman this time. And I swear to God, like Margaret called me like four days later, do you want to do a podcast? And I was like, (laughs) okay, you know, I think this is the knock on the door I've been waiting for. Could never have predicted. It was just like, let's just do this to have fun. Let's just see where it goes. Could and never have predicted what happens next. Yeah, and I mean, we're, we're in the you, fifth year. That's what I was just going to say. I couldn't remember when you launched. Okay, so you're in your fifth year. Do you remember your official like launch month? It was like three weeks before the 2016 presidential election. It so it was an interesting 2016. time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I was March 2016. I didn't realize we were that close. Oh my gosh. So yeah. fun. Okay. I also want to know birth order. Where are you each in birth order? Because I want to know how this it's everything you need to know. Can you guess? Right, if exactly. I'm the one? Okay, so I'm guessing Amy's an oldest. Yep. Now, Margaret, you're either second or third. I am younger middle. So there's okay. four of us. I was the baby of the family until okay. my interloper sister came <laughs> in five years later. I have were three and three years, my brother and sister oh, okay. and I. Okay. And then I was the youngest for my childhood. And then when I was five, much to my chagrin, another baby arrived. And that's mm-hmm. my little sister. So okay. I have my time in the spotlight as the right. young, cute one. Yes. And then I was cast out of paradise. And now I'm just the boring lower middle. <laughs> I, oh my gosh, I'm dying. I love the dynamic because I think this is what makes for like such magic in conversation and yep. in creating art together is Margaret. All you had to do, Margaret, was say, if my kid gets lost, they'll turn up and then say, Amy read 16 books on parenting. I'm like, oh, we have like definitely like a middle or youngest and an oldest right there. And I'm an oldest. So I'm like, I'll read the 16 books and tell you all, like, I'll give you all the knowledge that you need to solve all these problems because I'm going to make sure that it's all taken care of because that's what the oldest does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, so, and it so is funny. nice to have a conversation where you're coming from really different places. And people yeah. often describe our podcast as two best friends talk about parenting. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when we started this project, Amy was someone I vaguely remembered from my sister's college. You know, we knew each yeah. other, but when we recorded our first episode, I had to ask her, like, how old are your kids? What are their names? I didn't know 
anything really about her life as a mom. Now, obviously, we're business partners. We probably talk to each other more than we talk to our husbands. We are really close now, but it's been a fun journey of like, because it's made the conversations, I think, very, very organic in terms of like, hey, what are you doing at your house? I actually don't know how you parent. Mm. I don't know your systems. And so it's been a fun process of, of kind of getting through that. I agree. And the optimal approach to something, which of course I'm the first, I'm totally interested in such things, but the optimal approach I think is generally, I'm going to say, you know, it's about every single time it's right in between. Like if I think we would come to these early episodes and I would have no idea what Margaret was going to have to say about, should you help your kids with their homework or not? For example, I really wouldn't know. I had a sense, but I would be surprised and she would be surprised. And we would come to a I think these are the takeaways that was always neither what I had started with nor what Margaret had started with. And that's a good way to approach things, right? To stay curious. Uh, Absolutely. Well, and it creates (laughs) in my role as the oldest, it's funny that you say the word optimal because there's a lot of things that I think are optimal and I'm pretty sure I'm always right about what's optimal. And so if you don't have someone to check you to be like, there's actually some gray in there, (laughs) like maybe there's more than one way that could work well instead of the only optimal way that you read in 16 books. I think sometimes we can get into dangerous parenting territory without having someone to pull you a little toward the middle. (laughs) If you're that older type A, perhaps a little control freakish, just speaking for me, Amy, not for you. But if you're (laughs) in that area, having someone pull you a little more toward the middle, I think can be really, really helpful. And I'm sure, Margaret, you appreciate someone giving you some structure and rules as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I really (laughs) do. I tend to be a little bit uh, dismissive of things and perhaps a little anti-authority and, you know, I'm too cool to, you know, right. know where my kids are. And it it is nice to have, I really always say, I, I have tremendous <laughs> respect for people who are able to change their minds and be open-minded. Mm, yeah. And that's yeah. an exercise that this podcast has brought to both of us, I think. Like, can I hear something that someone else is doing and integrate that. And I mean, I can give you a list of 40 things that I have changed about the way I parent based yeah. on things that Amy has introduced to me and hopefully vice versa. That Absolutely. We are really learning from each other. And that is, a, I think, for the audience, that's a really nice experience to hear people say like, all right, let me actually try to approach this problem <laughs> as if I don't have all the answers and that maybe these experts have all the answers too. But if we bring all these minds together, there's probably something here that could help almost everybody in this conversation. Yeah. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, 
you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. It creates such a personal growth. Parenting is like the personal growth journey that you don't know you're walking into. Like you think Mm -hmm. this is just going to be about like raising this child and getting them through some stuff, but it's ultimately also about getting yourself through a whole lot of stuff because you have to get to know yourself so well and check yourself at every turn, which can be really uncomfortable. So this changes and evolves like constantly. And so as our kids are changing and evolving, we're changing and evolving. And I think when I think about my tolerance to unpredictability and uncertainty, when I've had my son, it was real low. Luckily he expanded that greatly for me, which probably prepared me for the pandemic. (laughs) I was Mm -hmm. able to shift gears in the pandemic because I'd had a newborn at one time and I could control nothing. So can you talk a little about, or let's all of us talk a little bit about how parenting changes and evolves us over the years and why do we maybe need to step away from fear or resistance to the growth that parenting provides. Well, there's something in the Talmud. I am not Jewish, but I have had this explained to me by somebody who is a class that I took that our children are sent to earth to challenge us. And the ways that they challenge us are exactly the ways in which we need to grow. So when your kid is pushing your, you know, every button you have, it has helped me in the past to be like, okay, this is a way that I need to grow. What a gift that this child is giving me. <laughs> right, a gift. By testing my patience. I'm impatient. Oh, like what a gift this is. Now, I'm, I mean, I'm not a saint, but that does help me to think like parenting challenges us, but it's supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is the ultimate or one of the ultimate humbling experiences. I often say that Even though I knew children and was a child, I somehow still, and I had my first child at 37, so I wasn't like a real baby going into this, that I still had an image that a child was like a lump of clay you were handed to mold and form into the kind of person you wanted them to be. And it was a fairly shocking experience to be handed a actual human being instead that had their own will and their own agenda and their own way of doing things. And it is humbling, but I think I have found through the podcast that being open to being humbled by it is just a much less painful way to do it than constantly trying to shape clay that is not actually clay, that is actually a human. 
Yeah. I find myself a lot going back to a Brene Brown quote that I don't need to be, or I don't want to be right. I want to get it right. And for me with parenting initially, I was like, no, I want to be right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to be right. Like I'm really smart. I'm older than this thing, this lump. I know more things. I've read the books. I really wanted to be right. And then when I had a child who perhaps has the same temperament as me and was not going to do things my way, but was only going to do things his way. And I was like, oh, now I just have to get it right. And I don't get to be right. And that was really, really hard. And so when we talk about that opportunity to grow and that opportunity to evolve, the opportunity to constantly practice patience and learn from them, instead of thinking that we're supposed to be teaching them all the things, like really create that space for them to teach us the stuff is equal parts, very maddening and also really, really helpful. Yeah. I say a lot on the podcast when I was, I had my first baby, I was talking to my brother, who's a father of four. And he said, how's it going? And I said, ah, good days and bad days. And he said, well, have some more kids. Then you can have good days and bad days on the same day. And like, we each have (laughs) three children and it really is. I mean, every time you think you got it figured out, another human with a completely different (laughs) set of needs and wants and operating systems walks in. And I think it has really, although I am kind of laid back in a lot of ways. I don't think that matters. I don't really care about the homework. I'm also very, um, I can be very authoritarian as a Mm. parent. Like I'm not going to put up with this and this is how we're doing things. And it's my way or the highway. I come from a long line of pretty strict Irish ancestors and, you know, we don't put up with nonsense, but letting go of some of that stuff as well. And Mm. really kind of we use the metaphor, you're not driving the boat. Like you're not even in the boat. They're in a different boat. You're just yelling instructions (laughs) from the sidelines. And I I think that that whole mind shift of, oh, I'm really just the wind and the sails and they're going to have to figure out how to sail it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a complete mind shift for me. I'm not even sure you're the wind beneath their wings, right? You're just also in the wind. wind. Yeah. (laughs) It's a windy day. For you and them. Yeah. Yes. 100%. This morning I was walking my son to school and yesterday morning, as we were about to walk out the door, I noticed that he had like two brown spots on his pants, one near the crotch. And I was like, what's on your pants? He's like, oh, I got chocolate on them. I'm, why are you eating chocolate at 7.58 in the morning? And so I was like, we have to go. Like, you don't have time to change. You're gonna have to wear dirty pants to school. So he wears his dirty pants to school. This morning we're walking to school and I looked down I'm like, why are you wearing the pants with the chocolate on the crotch again? <laughs> like we have five other pairs of khaki pants. He's like, because these are the ones I like the best. And I wanted to turn around and be like, we don't wear dirty pants to school. And then to your point around, like, I'm not even in the boat. I was like, you know what? If he wants to wear pants with chocolate on the crotch, he can be responsible for other kids being like, dude, what's on your pants. <laughs> and if the parent or the teacher, I'm like, of course I'm thinking, I'm like, the teacher's going to think I'm such a bad mom. I was like, you know what? She has three kids. She knows. <laughs> so, so after school, he went with his chocolate in the crotch uniform. Pants. That's, that's something I've definitely learned to let go of is like, I need this pediatrician, this dental mm-hmm. hygienist, this school nurse to think that I am the most attentive and correct parent they have ever encountered. Yes. And so is my child, by the way, really just the most well-behaved and rational. Like, you know, that way madness lies to worry about like, but what will people at school think about a, a child with chocolate on his pants? Like probably not right. that much, right? But right. letting go of, but what will they think about me is a way to more peace. Absolutely. 
Let's talk a little bit about uncharted territory in parenting, which is could be any given day. Sometimes we know that uncharted territory is coming. So we have a big transition coming up or we have a big new opportunity coming up where maybe a child's going to sleepaway camp or changing schools. But then we also like uncharted territory, Margaret, to your point around like three different kids walk in within into the kitchen within three minutes. And it's like three whole different uncharted territories at once. Can we talk a little bit about why that feels so daunting? And then the hindsight of those moments where we're like, that was fine. And I can give a quick example. My son had teeth pulled a few days ago and I was really panicked about him because of COVID. I couldn't go back in the room with him. And in my mind, I was like, but he needs me to hold his hand. (laughs) All this conversation is showing you all is how codependent we are or I am. So I'm like, he's going to need me to hold his hand, especially during the Novocaine and the, at the dentist office, they're like, he'll probably be fine. I was like, tears in my eyes, like, okay, okay. And then he goes back there. He comes, he's in there for 20 minutes, gets two teeth pulled. He comes out and he's like, yeah, like we're getting ice cream now. Right. And I'm like, but I thought you were going to need me. He did not need me. So this is like, we go into this thing where I'm panicking about like, how can I be there for him? And then in hindsight, I'm like, that was a (laughs) non-event. It can go the other way. Like, so my child, I have a a high school student who recently had to go to the dentist. Mm -hmm. Same kind of thing. Like it's COVID. Like, do I have to go back? Like, no, I don't. And I was more like, it's fine. This kid is not going to need me. And then the kid did. Then I ended up, I Mm -hmm. did have to be in the room for reasons that are his and I won't get into, but it's sometimes it's easy to guess wrong the other way too. Like you got this right. And then they're like, can you you help me with this? I have older kids. So I'm starting to make that error on the other side, like you can walk home by yourself. Actually, can you come get me mom? Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's ever a bad thing, but that assessing that doesn't stop. It just sort of flips all of a sudden. You're like, how much independence is okay? My oldest kid, I have a college student who just today was texting me. He bought tickets to go somewhere with his friends and he bought the most like cockamamie nine and a half hour connecting through Detroit. This is how you do it and call, of course. That is also not cheap. I'm like, did you realize you bought a nine and a half hour itinerary that connects through Detroit to go like, you know, you don't need to go through Detroit to go where he's going. And he didn't. And oh, that's what I was told to buy, you know, and like, it's okay. And I'm probably just going to let him fly the cockamamie itinerary because whatever, he'll survive. But it doesn't end when they start being independent. It's like how independent is allowed. Right. And right. one of the things that's been nice about doing a podcast for five years is that we started and our tone and our theme of the podcast was sort of like, we're in it right now. I think I had a four-year-old when we started the podcast, maybe a three-year-old. I mean, she might've still been in diapers and we were kind of in the scramble still. Now, five years later, I have a nine-year-old and as my youngest and my oldest is 13 and you do kind of shift your perspective a little bit in terms of, and I think we can offer that to our audience of, you know, you're going to face a lot of tough things and you'll be surprised by what challenges you and what doesn't. I had a son who had an emergency appendectomy last month. That's the kind of thing. If you wrote it on my future chart, I'd be like, that's going to be the worst day of our year. It was weirdly no problem. I handed him over to the doctor. They took out his appendix. They gave him back to me. He went to the movies the next day. It was not that big a deal. Mm. But then sometimes the like you have an after school activity, even though you're really tired and you got yelled at with one of your teachers. And I have to convince you to go because it's a commitment, even though you really are burnt out and don't want to go is a much bigger struggle. I think that understanding that this instinct that we have to say, 
I know what's coming and I'm ready for whatever's coming. That's another thing. It's a lot of improv. Amy and I both come from improv backgrounds and it's a lot of improvisation because you don't really know where it's going to go sideways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Amy, what's the age range of your kids? So Margaret, you said 9 to 13? Correct. Although I have to correct myself. My daughter turned 10 last week. So it's 10 to 13. Okay. 10 to all double digits. And mine are 14 to 19, 14, 17, 19. Oh, so you don't have any, I didn't realize. I just assumed there was overlap. Okay. So you are like, now yeah, like my oldest and my youngest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh so my we, we sometimes have one the same age, but her 14 okay. year old has turned and my 13 year old doesn't go until September. Got it. Okay. So I'm imagining for listeners, and I want everyone, of course, to go subscribe to What Fresh Hell, but what I find huge, huge, hugely important. (laughs) Yeah, take anything away from this conversation. Uh, Yeah, that's the only thing you need to know. Goodbye. So what I think what can be really helpful is when I'm in a really hard parenting moment and someone with an older kid, I'm not receptive to like, but it goes so fast and like, just enjoy it, blah, blah, blah. Like that annoys me. But if someone can tell me- yeah. If someone can tell me, um, and I actually have a good friend who has a teenage daughter and when she says like, Oh, like she just wants to be in her room and like doing her own thing. And like, she's st- starting this like separation. I can be way more patient when my nine-year-old wants to snuggle like all the time sometimes. And he's like on top of me and it's like 80 pounds of weight. I don't need on me. And then I can be like, Oh, but remember Katie told you like, in a couple of years, he's going to want to be in his room with the door closed all the time. Like, okay, let's come snuggle. And I think it can be helpful to see other people in a different part of the journey and really see like, okay, like I can be in this right now, even though it's annoying me <laughs> and I can find it to be precious because I know, like I've now seen what is coming. And so I want to be in this and really be present in this moment. 
and it's not all bad. You know, we always tell our listeners that it, that it, uh, it gets easier definitely when you're not, don't have three kids in diapers anymore. And that, you know, my relationship with my now college freshman is definitely different and I miss him, but it's not worse. I mean, when we do communicate, he has a lot more to tell me and our conversations are a lot longer. In some ways, I feel like I know more about what makes him tick than I did when he was still living under my roof last year and was trying very hard to separate during yeah. pandemic in the same house with us all the time. <laughs> so that you don't have to be afraid. It isn't, you know, your relationship with your child once he stops wanting to cuddle with you on the couch. Like you can miss that, but new things will come in to replace that that are different, but not necessarily less fun, less precious, sadder, smaller. That's not necessarily true. Yeah. And we just recorded an episode about this called Things Change and That's Okay. And and one of the takeaways for me from it was the we had an expert saying, you know, it's like, is it hard? Or people always say, oh, just wait, you know, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. And the insight was little kids, constant problems that are easy to solve. Older kids, fewer problems that are harder to solve. And I thought that's right. That mm. is much more what it's like that the constant chaos you will drag me to hell before you drag me back to having three kids under four. It was terrible. <laughs> I did not enjoy it. That's a lot. Yeah. There were moments of magic and there were adorable, cute moments, but that part of my life was super difficult. Now, do I have kids who have problems now that they're confronting in these older grades that are harder to solve and the stakes feel higher and like, okay, if the grades slip now, does it affect high school? There's other problems. But one of the things we talked about also, which I think is super important, is that we throw away our own agency in this. Like we have some work to do too. Our kids are separating mm -hmm. from us and we need to be working on separating from our kids so that if you set up for yourself that the value of having a kid is them snuggling with you all the time, you are going to be very unhappy when you have a teenager. Yes. But if you can yeah. evolve with your, I love not having people on me all the time. Mm -hmm. I love my kids going up to their room and I have an extra two hours to work in the afternoon. And I yeah. really love sitting at the dinner table and hearing their take on what's going on in the world and their insights on things and I found that I have enjoyed the shifting values of every age, but some of that is work. Like it's a work on not constantly being like, but I miss the baby head smell. Like, okay, get a bottle of baby head smell at the store and, <laughs> and then realize that your nine-year-old is a super interesting person who's right. really fun to talk to. Right. That's exactly it. You can be sold this bill of goods by, you know, the Hallmark industry, not to pick on Hallmark, but you know, that whole kind of thing. They just need to stay little, you know, in Etsy wood on your wall, right? Like, may my baby stay tiny forever. Well, they're not supposed to. And it's not that it stops being fun or good once they don't stay little. My cousin who has now a senior in high school and then a juice, no, an out of college child, when she, when, as her kids were getting closer to their teen years, she said to me, she said, every year is the best year. She's like, I kept thinking like a birthday would come around and I'd be like, Oh, but I'm going to miss this last year. And then like the new year would always be better than the year before. And so I carry that with me. And sometimes I'm like, I'm calling you out on this because this year was not that <laughs> like for me, like seven, wasn't better than six. Like six was a really great year. He got a little sassy in the age seven, but I do see that evolution where I'm like, Oh, I can really appreciate like what is coming at every phase. 
But Margaret, I absolutely agree with you on the work one must do on themselves if you lean toward any sort of codependency. Because, like my son asked me if I would come to college with him and live in the dorms. And I was like, absolutely, of course. And then he asked if I would live in his house when he gets married and has babies. And I was like, absolutely, of course. Like I'm loving this vision of like just lifelong codependence. And I have to check my, of course, all of this is joking, but I have to check myself to be like, how are you actually going to handle him? Like moving out of the house? What, who are you going to be so that, and how will your identity be expansive enough beyond mothering that you have something to do with your life when he is not here. And I think that sometimes, especially if you have many children, because you have to be so in it that there's not room for that evolution of identity or expansiveness of identity until there's this gaping hole. And that can be really scary. Yeah. And I will say that's coming whether you want it or not for all of us. You know, I have a kid who's very funny and I always joke him because he's horrible in math. And I'm like, math is not important to you because you're going to be a stand up comic and your mommy's going to be your manager. And (laughs) so you don't need to know math. It's fine. We have a plan. But the thing is, I know it's coming. I mean, we can joke. all. I mean, my kids always say that. Well, there's a house going up across the street and my daughter keeps saying, I wish they would slow down because I want to be an adult when it's done so I can buy it. (laughs) And I'm like, "Okay, well, when you're an adult, we'll kick those people out. and You'll live there. It's fine (laughs) to live in that place when you're 10 years old. But I don't actually want her to buy that house and be my neighbor. (laughs) grows up, but it evolves and it's fine. But I do think it's inevitable. You can kind of worry about like, are we separating enough? That separation is coming for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about easier or easy versus satisfying. Cause I think this is a really interesting. And I think it's kind of a continuation about what we're already talking about. I think we have seasons or parts of parenting, maybe components of parenting that become easier but there's a difference between easy and satisfying. And sometimes there can be an overlap, which can feel so magical. And then other times there's not overlap. Can we talk a little bit about like, if there ever is this perfect season where we feel like we've mastered all, like finally we have, we've read the 16 books, we've put them into practice and we are done. And we're, we've like gotten our PhD. Spoiler alert. No, but I can, I'll let Amy start. (laughs) There are moments, right? Like you see, I'm thinking of like a moment last summer where I saw my daughter on stage in a play after a pandemic that had been hard on our family for many reasons. And of course, the opportunities to perform were one of the things that went away. And so she was doing this. It was in a parking lot, but they did this fantastic teen production of Shakespeare. And to see her like living her best life, like that was the perfect intersection of easy Mm -hmm. and satisfying for me. All I had to do was drive over there and park and then watch my kid living her best life for that hour. That's terrific. And like the newborn years for me were not easy, but they were extremely satisfying. I, I think it comes and goes like you're, this is the point, right? We're not moving towards like, okay, it's going to get easier and sadder year by year. No, it's not. It's going to get, you know, less time consuming and less satisfying. No, there's, it's not a one-to-one. There are times when it will be excruciatingly hard and satisfying. There are times when it'll be easy and, you know, disillusioning. It comes and goes. And I think people have really different set points. I'm a person who likes a lot of social interaction. So for me, being home with three kids who were little was not a nightmare. I mean, Mm. baby snuggles, baby smuggles. Like I liked them, I guess. But that wasn't to me like this was my dream to like smell baby heads and like have kids who said regularly truck instead of regular truck. I don't know. (laughs) Like that was 
I got it, but it wasn't really for me. And we re- this summer we went away and we had because I had three really closely spaced kids. I feel like we had a lot of years where everything was just like, you know, the robot eyes in a movie where it's like scanning and it's like danger, mm. danger, blah, blah. That's how I felt my brain was for so many years. Oh, yeah. Like, if we go to the zoo, like if I let one out of the stroller, they run away and then I'm stuck and I have to either abandon the one in the stroller. I was just constantly doing the math of like, how can I yeah. keep three kids safe in any given environment? And we went away to the Jersey Shore over the summer and we walked over to a restaurant and we got there and I realized it had been recommended to us that it was a kind of a fancy hipster restaurant no kids menu. It was like young, cool people at a bar. And we kind of got to the table and I thought we've made this horrible mistake. Like we're here with kids and it's going to be a night. My old robot brain was like, warning, warning, you've made a horrible mistake. And then my kids sat down, they ordered stuff off the menu. We chatted the whole time. My husband and I had a cocktail. We were all, and I thought, I'm free. Like I'm here. This is where it was amazing to me that we sat at a pretty nice restaurant and had an incredibly nice dinner with my three kids. And I have found that getting out of the robot, like scanning the world for danger brain and moving into a place of like, we can walk through the world without that has Mm -hmm. been the relief of my life. I love it. I love that example so much. We had I spent a lot of years, so we went through a lot of infertility stuff. So I spent a lot of years being, I don't know what the right word is. Well, I mean, disappointed, I guess, but disappointed that like we have one, which was the jackpot. Like we were so Mm -hmm. lucky to get one, but when we couldn't have more, this was like, I wanted that. I was jealous of that chaos that you just described, Margaret, where I was like, I want to be in that situation where like, I know I would have been an absolute disaster in that situation because I'm so controlling, but to be in that situation with three kids at the park and like all the chaos and whatever, was like the dream that I couldn't make happen. Right. So the flip side of that, as we got kind of further into this and we, I had to like really come to terms with like, okay, what's the different dream you're going to build. And so we decided like, we're going to do things with this one child that we could not do if we had two or three or whatever. So we decided to go to Europe shortly after our last attempt at IVF, we booked the trip and we booked it for about, I don't know, six months out or something. So when we are getting ready to go, Vinny is almost five years old and we have to travel like 23 hours or something to get to Paris. And when we finally get there, he did not sleep the whole way. And he's not like a baby. So it wasn't like he was crying or anything, but like, I couldn't sleep on the plane because he wasn't sleeping. And so I was just constantly like, are you okay? Do you need a snack? Do you need me to change your show? Like, so I didn't sleep at all. He's totally fine. I'm a wreck. Like I'm so tired and like disoriented we, the next morning we go and take him to the Eiffel tower where I'm thinking like, he's going to just be bored. He was obsessed. And that moment of satisfaction, like it felt so hard to get there. And it felt like we were kind of there because like this other plan in life didn't work out. And it was like all this mind stuff. And then we got there and I was like, I get to be at the freaking Eiffel tower with my five-year-old who thinks it's the coolest thing in the world. Like I'm in, I won like peak satisfaction, but it wasn't easy to get there. It was like really hard. And it came at like loss and grief and all these other things. So I agree that like the intersection often isn't there. I'm like, what's easy and the steps that you get there. But when you have those moments of like, oh, this can be a really great thing. Like I get this because I don't have these other things. And so whether, whatever the other thing is, it can be extremely rewarding, but also really affirming and validating for the position that you're in in that moment. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, so much of everyone's parenting journey is also about acceptance. You know, I mean, totally. I really wanted a lot of kids. I have kids who have very specific struggles and diagnoses and things that I would have never seen coming. And I would have, again, if you'd written on a piece of paper, I'd have been like, <laughs> nope, skip that. Can't deal with that. That's not for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something as we continue to have discussions as moms in a common space, your struggle and my struggle are very different, but we have had a lot of the same experiences of like, I wanted a pizza and I got dumplings and I <laughs> like dumplings, but it's not what I ordered. And so yeah, those kind of experiences, there's a commonality. And we try to talk to a really broad range of moms when we interview people. And, you know, you hear about people who have, dire struggles. We talked to Amanda Knox, who was in an Italian prison for 15 years. Is that the same struggle that I've had? No, but it's amazing how when she talks about like running into walls and you don't know how you're ever going to get past it. And it seems really daunting. Like, oh yeah, I've been there. I haven't been where you are, but I felt what you felt. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to add anything, Amy? Yeah. I think we try to give moms, particularly during these last two years, that your heart is hard, that I think sometimes we, one of the many ways that we're hard on ourselves is, well, I'm struggling, but not like so-and-so down the street, mm-hmm. not like my friend from high school, not like, so I don't have a right to feel this way. I don't have a right to feel like I'm struggling. Every single mom I know has had the struggle had turned up in the last two years yeah. because of the pandemic for many different reasons. And it's okay to struggle with whatever you're struggling with and not be like, well, I'm not Amanda Knox. So literally I have nothing to complain about. No, like we all have our things that we have to manage with grace. Absolutely. I also have to say when I saw that you interviewed Amanda Knox, my envy level went way up. She and I both live in Seattle and she went to my high school. Really? (laughs) So I was like, why haven't I like Facebook friended her and reached out to her? She was was really incredible guest and she struggled for a very long time with infertility and she now has a baby. So yeah, yeah, she has her own interesting mom journey on top of her whole interesting life. Yeah. She's an incredible, oh my goodness, the things that she's been through, but yes, absolutely. Like everyone's been through struggles. They all look really different on paper and we all get to own them, whatever they were or Mm -hmm. whatever they are. Like we get to honor them and own them. And we get to share them, which I think is what we're all trying to do. 100%. And I think that the more that we share them, the more that we share our struggles, even when they feel small compared to other people, the more we can be, the more everyone can relate to one another. And I think that what's so key about that is when we can relate mom to mom, we take out so much of the loneliness and isolation that the patriarchy has conditioned us into by positioning us to have to compete with one another or to feel like we're never enough. And so I think that sharing our stories is so important so that we can be constantly becoming more relatable to one another and more connected to one another rather than looking at like, well, but she has it harder or she has it better. And then like just continuing to kind of box ourselves out of being in relationships with people, with other moms. Absolutely. Makes sense. I want to know how each of you are showing up as a shameless mom who wants to go first. What does it mean to be a shameless mom? You get to pick. People are always very stumped by this question. And like, they want rules and boundaries around it. And I give none. Mm. (laughs) I'll start. I think I'm showing up as a shameless mom by, I mean, I had 
my kids older and I'm really glad I did because as a younger person, I felt like I was tremendously invested in being perfect or, and not even being perfect, being what other people, random people who I chose at random thought that being perfect look like mm. part of that was being an entertainment. You've got to look right. You've got to, you know, you're constantly in this sort of like, am I pleasing to people in power so I can get this job kind of mode. And first of all, I made a very good choice in the person I married. Cause he's just like, I like you how you are. I like our kids, how, you know, he helps me stay grounded in this thing. But, and I think through doing the podcast, I have really been on a journey of accepting myself as a mom and really importantly, accepting my kids for who they are and not worrying so much about like, there's a secret path to getting these kids <laughs> into Harvard that I can crack if I just figure out how people in France are doing it. I think that I've been able to really enjoy parenting a lot more by letting go of expectations around how any of this should be and just kind of improving along with how things are and finding a lot of joy in that. I love that. I think for me, it's been about accepting that I do know my kids better. As a parent, I know my kids better than anybody else, any expert, any teacher. And that doesn't mean that I'm like, pick fights with the gym teacher. I don't, but I think, and I have had with each of my kids, teachers give me incredibly insightful things that I, that changed how I parent each one of my children, thanks to somebody who had them in a classroom for an hour a day due to their expertise. But the flip side of that is I think I wait for people to tell me what's next and what's right, mm -hmm. either for my children or for me. And I want to be liked more than I want to be effective. And I am learning that, like, no, I do know what's best and I do know what's next. And I don't need to check with every single expert first <laughs> and read right. that one more article before I decide that I do after this time kind of know what I'm doing. So good. I want to thank you both for the work that you're putting into the world, because what I got from this conversation is that, I mean, I got many things, kind of what I just got in summation was that the work that you're doing is creating space for parents to experience more confidence and more joy in the endless, relentless, sometimes satisfying journey of parenting. And that's a really big deal because there's a lot of days where you don't know if that's possible. So thank you for what you bring to the podcasting space as amazing female podcasters and amazing mom podcasters, because we don't get recognized enough, but also what you bring to the world in terms of supporting parents. I think it's so, so significant. Tell people where they can find you, where they can follow the show, listen to the show, stalk you on Instagram online and all that good stuff. Well, the easiest place to find us is whatfreshhealthpodcast.com, which has all the different places you can listen to us and all of our episodes. You can search are hundreds of past episodes. We've got topics. <laughs> if you're wondering about it, we have an episode about it. And then you can find us on any podcast platform by searching for What Fresh Hell. Our film name is What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. That's how you'll know you found us. And we also, we have a phenomenal Facebook community where people who listen to the show can talk to each other. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash What Fresh Hell cast. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at What Fresh Hell cast. Love it. Okay. I'm going to link everything up on our show notes. So if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson, and you will get everything linked up right there and definitely subscribe to the show. I have to like, I've been starting to say this on my show more often as well. Please subscribe to the show. Yeah. It is really impactful for podcasters 
and I don't always have podcasters as guests. So I'm going to take this as a little PSA moment. It's really impactful when you all our listeners subscribe and follow the show on whatever platform you're listening. So whether that is Apple podcasts or Castbox or Spotify or wherever, because it impacts our numbers and our ratings and it impacts how we get good advertising partners to bring you awesome deals and awesome brands. It's a big deal. So we just really appreciate anytime you take that extra minute to subscribe. It just shows support for the show. So support. And yes, it's free. Subscribe and sounds yes, like yes, it might be complicated totally or expensive. It's free. No, no, no. It's totally free to subscribe or follow depending on whatever your platform allows for, whether it's a subscribe button or a follow button. So thank you. Thank you, Amy, for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret, for being here. This has been a long time coming. I'm so glad we finally did it and um, probably have to do it again sometime. Oh, when you write the book, Amy, (laughs) I always tell people when you write the book, you got to come back. So we'll do it again. I'll hold you to it. Perfect. Thanks Sarah. Thanks so much. much for talking to us. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.